You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I've got my, my kids coming over. I got eight grandkids. And my wife came up with this crazy idea to buy all these pajamas that are the same. And I said, I'm not wearing, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. But I don't know if I'm going to win out on that or not, praise God. Listen, I want to talk about, obviously, Jesus today. But I want to talk about something that happens sometimes is we get a gift, but we don't have anything in the gift. And, and what I mean by that is simply this. You know, at our house, what we've done over the years is we save the boxes every year. And then we put wrapping paper over them the second year and whatever. And I feel like sometimes people, in, particularly in Christianity, they get all these boxes of gifts and things that Jesus gives them, but there's nothing inside of it. And I'm here to tell you today that there's a lot that our salvation brings us. And I'm going to show you that in the birth of Christ, how significant it is and what it provides for us spiritually. So with that in mind, I want you to take a look up at the screen here at Luke chapter 2. And I want you to see this phrase that the angel said. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Say all people. Now, that's very significant because salvation and the blessings of salvation are not just to uh, a certain select group. They are for the whole world. In fact, in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But one of my good verses I really like about this is in 1 John 2, 2, it says that Jesus, the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the world. In other words, he died for every person on this planet, whether they accept Christ or not, he went to the cross for them. Can you say amen? And I think this is one of the significant reasons why the Bible says all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I believe it's because salvation is for everyone, not just a select few, not just a few, but every person. And I'm going to show you why that is so. See, when you understand this, you understand that we have to have faith in the grace of God. If you can have faith in the grace of God, then everyone can receive today. You can make sure your boxes are full of presents. You can make sure that the gifts happen in your life. You can make sure that God gives you something in your life today from the death and resurrection of Christ. And so look in Romans chapter 4, 16, in this text, it actually shows you something very significant. It shows you that God set up the system for everybody. And in other words, you won't go without if you will just have faith in his grace but if you try to have faith in your worthiness, only a select few are going to be able to receive certain things from God. So look what it says. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all who all the seed, <clears throat> excuse me, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, I, I like this. Because he says that this promise will be sure to all the seed when it's a promise of faith in God's grace. 
Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> Most people religiously taught, and you see this in the world as well, they believe that if you're worthy enough, you'll receive blessings from God. And if you're not worthy enough, you won't. So if you have a good week, you can get a lot of blessings from the Lord. If you got a bad week, yell at your kids and all that stuff, then you won't get the blessings of the Lord. These texts are telling us that God went and made it sure to everyone. And the way that he made it sure to everyone is that we would all have an opportunity to believe in Christ, that Christ provided the righteousness, the worthiness, everything that we couldn't do for ourselves, he did perfectly without flaw, without sin. The lamb, come on, the... He did it all for us. So it is a, the promise is sure to everyone that approaches Jesus as the one that provides everything that you might need. In other words, I'm not approaching God saying, Lord, you know, I've been pretty good. I've been in church. I've been pastoring quite a few years. You got to bless me with this and bless me with that. No, 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 no. I approach on his worthiness. His righteousness, even though I've been made that righteous, it's his inside of me imparted to me. So I'm not going there on my own merit. It's faith in the grace. The grace means it's unmerited. You don't have to, be, you don't have to get your act together and so forth to get healed. All you need to do is have faith in God's grace. Have faith in Jesus' worthiness. And you can receive that way, and therefore, that's why the promise is to all, and it, that's why it's a sure thing. It's not just for some. You know, in the church today, there's a lot of weird doctrine. There's, there's election doctrine. Uh, we're preordained and all this kind of stuff. And you know, when, when they teach that, they say, okay, you might be one of the elect. You might not be. But I got good news for you. Jesus died for the whole world. There isn't some he's chosen and some he hasn't chosen. He offers healing, deliverance, provision. Come on, breakthrough in your life. Doesn't matter where you're from, who you've been with. It's for everyone, but you've got to receive it by faith in that grace. Man, I don't know about you. Even on my best day, I'm not worthy enough. Even when everything seems to be going right, I know deep down inside, I really don't deserve what I've been asking God for. But in Christ, I can receive everything that I need. Hallelujah. Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. The first man, Adam, fell in the Garden of Eden and plunged all of mankind into death and destruction because he, he, he messed up. Jesus is called the last Adam because he didn't mess up. And when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, praise God, he did for us what no one else could do for us. And he was perfectly obedient. He went to the cross, died for us, and God rose him up to restore man to the state that God had originally created man for. And that was give them dominion. That's what God said. I want you to give them dominion. Jesus restored all of that in Christ Jesus. Now, in the church, I've always been 
taught that, you know, if you pray and it doesn't work, your motives are probably wrong. But you know, motives are not the reason why your prayer is not answered. It's not your motives. Because I'll prove it to you. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He went to the father and got his inheritance. You know his motives were wrong. Because he left the father's house and went and blew it on while living. Amen? But yet he still received it. Why? He received it because he was an heir. When you're an heir, you don't receive it because you're worthy. You receive it because you're an heir. We are heirs. Hallelujah. Now, with wrong intentions, you may blow the inheritance God gives you, but that's not the reason why a person does not receive their inheritance. It's because they don't use the laws of faith. If you use the laws of faith, you'll get a breakthrough every, every, every time in your life. It's kind of like this. Uh, <clears throat> if you take a pilot and you put him in a 747 or whatever, as long as they fly that plane, according to the aerodynamics of that plane, it'll always lift up, it'll always land. It doesn't matter if they cut you off in the freeway before they went to work. Doesn't matter if they forgot to feed the dog. Doesn't matter if they burned the bacon. The reality is if they operate within these laws, the plane will always fly and do what, what the plane was designed to do. When you operate the law of faith, it always works. It's not based on your character. It's based on God's law that he laid down for us to use so that it could be sure to every person here. You look at the people that Jesus healed, they definitely weren't perfect. The man that was at the temple for 30 or 38 years that wasn't healed, Jesus healed him and said, hey, by the way, don't sin anymore or something worse will happen to you. So obviously he wasn't a perfect individual, but he exercised the law of faith. The law of faith is always now. Faith is always now. It's never tomorrow. It's always now. Right now, you got to be delivered. Right now, you got to see yourself well. Right now, you got to see yourself provided. Right now, you got to see yourself healthy, wealthy, and blessed. Right now, right now, it's when the power of God works. It's not later. You got you got to operate within that law of faith, which is actually the law of imagination, where you can see it before it actually manifests. And when you can see it before it actually manifests, you start that law of faith and the grace, whatever you need in your life, begins to be attracted to you and attracted to... Hallelujah. That's why the word had to become flesh. See, Jesus, or God the Father, when he sent his son, he did it out of a necessity. Satan was holding us hostage. Satan is a fallen angel, Lucifer, who fell in the Garden of Eden, by the way. And he fell because he was tempting Eve, that's when he fell. Now, here's a question. I want to just throw this out to you. Why is it that Satan manifested in a serpent? We know the serpent walked. In fact, scientists will tell you today that every little snake has little places where legs used to be. Why did he use the serpent? I would have used a lion, a tiger, or an elephant, or a hippo. 
But he used the serpent. You know why he used the serpent? Because he had absolutely zero authority. The only authority that Satan had was in deceiving mankind out of the authority that God had given mankind. He had no authority and power. All he could do is deceive. He deceived the woman. She, she tempted Adam. They fell. The authority now was released over to Satan, and everybody that is born after Adam had death in them. And so God says, I got to fix this mess, and I'm not going to kill my people to get at Satan, so I'm going to prophesy that my son will come. And he said to the woman, he said, your seed, he said, is going to be bruised by Satan, but he's going to crush his head. The woman doesn't have a seed. He was prophesying the Holy Spirit would conceive in the woman the virgin birth of Jesus thousands of years later, and the word of God would be gotten. Yeah. That's good preaching. I couldn't preach this last night. The crowd was a little bit different, but... I wanted to preach it this morning. You don't mind if you don't. Just hallelujah. But what's so powerful about this is Jesus did everything that we couldn't do. You know, a lot of people don't understand that the word became flesh. He was born. He was 100% God. But his flesh and his soul was human. Uh, Jesus wasn't, he, did, he wasn't born and automatically spoke Hebrew. He had to learn Hebrew, had to learn Aramaic, had to learn it. He had to be potty trained. He had to learn to eat with a fork. You know why? Because you blew it with Adam. I blew it. And the only way he could do it is if he did it all right. And so he grew up, whew, perfectly obedient because he's 100% God inside. Perfectly obedient, but he grew in wisdom and stature with men and with favor with God until he got to the place that God said, okay, now it's time for you to die for the people. And then God poured his spirit upon him without measure. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Notice it said, all those, all those, all those, all those oppressed for the devil. And why? Because it's God's will to heal people that are oppressed. It's God's will to deliver people that are under the weather. Say amen. <laughs> And so, in the birth of Christ, him growing up, he became that perfect sacrifice on the cross for us, and he repaired or restored everything that was lost in the fall. And that's why Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. Now, here's the clincher. When he rose from the dead, it wasn't his deity being exalted. He's already at the right hand of the Father. Amen? It was his humanity that was raised from the dead. His humanity was seated in heavenly places. That's why when you believe on Christ, you are made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Woo! <laughs> I love that phrase, God. I know this is a little bit wild for Christmas morning, but 
I want you to understand it's not just, he's not just a baby. It's God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Without that, we couldn't reign in life. Without that, we couldn't have authority. Without that, we couldn't prevail against the wiles of the devil. We need, we needed God. We need God to operate through us. Look at this verse, John chapter 1, verse 14. Look at this. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say only begotten. He is the last Adam. I said he's the last Adam. He is the representative of the church. When Christ rose from the dead and sat down on high, everyone that believed in him from that point was in him. And catch this, Jesus was only tempted in his earthly ministry. After the resurrection, no temptations. So those that are in Christ Jesus are preserved because of his resurrection, because of Christ, just like in the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned, their eyes were open, sin came over. Because Jesus will never sin and can't be tempted again, those inside of him are preserved blameless before the Father. The devil can't take him from you. Come on, come on. The devil can't steal you. Ooh, I like this. Let me show you two verses that show this, show, show this to you. Uh, Psalms, I'll just preach this one. Psalms 24.1 says that the fullness, the fullness of the earth belongs to God. Now, look at this next verse. It almost looks like it's contradicting. This is in Psalms 15, 115, 16. The heavens and even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Wow. Now, which is it? Is the earth the fullness of the Lord or not? It is. This verse is not contradicting the other one. Here's what he's saying. You got to look at it like this. It's kind of like if you owned a building and you rented it out to someone. When you rent it out to that individual, you, you have certain conditions to rent it. It's yours to live in a certain way, but the owner may say, uh, no dogs, no pets, no tropical fish. Maybe you can have a goldfish, but you can't have a big tank. And there's certain regulations. Outside of that, you've got freedom. Inside of that. That's what God did with us. When God speaks his word, he can never alter it. Psalms 89 says that what comes out of my mouth, I'll never alter. In other words, God never lies. God never says something and goes back on a land and says, oops. No, he sticks to whatever he has said. That's why he had to send Jesus in the world. If I would have been God, I'd just said, well, I'll just snuff the devil out. But in doing that, he would have snuffed out man. So he always operates within the framework of his word. He never operates outside of the framework of his word. Do you ever hear people say things like this? God's sovereign, he can do anything he wants. No, he can't. He can't work 
outside of his word. He can't deny his word. He can't say one thing and do something else. Well, God could just resurrect anybody that he wants to do anytime he wants to. No, he can't. Jesus, who had the spirit without measure, is in his hometown, and it says that he could not, not would not, could not do any mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Their unbelief prevented people who were blind from seeing, people who were crippled from walking, people who had incurable diseases from being restored. It wasn't because it wasn't God's will. It's God had to work within his will, within his word. He couldn't go outside of that word. And unbelief will prevent you from receiving what Jesus came to give you. Say amen, everybody. That's powerful. And I, it's, it's like I've been in ministry so long. I've seen the gifts of the Spirit operate, and I've seen supernatural things happen. But you know they never happen unless someone's using the measure of faith they have. If you study 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of them, it says a different kind of faith. It's a gift where God puts it on you for a moment for something, but that never even operates unless you're operating the measure of faith within you to get it. In other words, God is always bound to his word. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because he can't intervene. He can't intervene until there's faith. Hallelujah. Now, the good news is this. God is here today. Jesus came to deliver you. And within God's word, we can count on God to come through. Within God's word, God will do what he said he will do. Within God's word, God's will will, in fact, prevail in your life. You got to become word conscious. You got to become a word person. I'm going to stand on the word of God. God said this. I believe it. Praise God. And then God can move. I don't want to be in a position where God is not intervening in my life. I want him to intervene. I want him to come through and really bless me in these areas that God has called me to. See, no one has limited God. God limited himself by what he says. When he said, you can be saved by having faith in my son, not through your own works, but through his works, through what he did, he limited how people could be, limited what he could do for someone. The good news is this. When you know his word, you can be transformed. Say amen. amen. I want you to look at this verse with me. This is in Ephesians 2 and verse 20. And it's a verse that we oftentimes mention but sometimes we don't that's actually the wrong verse could you give me the one where it says god is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think while they're finding that verse i give them the wrong verse amen it'll show up in just a minute but we think that god can just indiscriminately do anything he wants when in fact he has to work within the framework of his word and once you understand that, you don't use that as an excuse. If God wanted it to happen, he would just happen. You get into his word and say, Lord, I want to get within the framework of your word because you will not deny yourself. 
you will not say something that isn't scriptural. Thank you. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above, all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. How many here believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask? See, so you're missing it. The last part gives us the condition. According to the power that works within us. If we're working our faith, we're working the power. If we're not working our faith, we're not working the power. We're keeping God from doing what God wants to do. Think of the possibilities in your life if you would just use your faith. Think of what you could do that you never dreamed you could do if you would just use your faith. Think about what is possible in your life if you would simply believe the Word of God and operate on the law of faith and whatever you're facing, when you're in hardship, you'd call it, you'd call those things. Think of the possibilities that would happen in your life if you do that. You know, personally in my life, I don't like to live outside of believing God. It's the only time that he intervenes. He doesn't intervene until I either set my mind on something and think about it, because the Bible said if you set your mind on spiritual things, you attract those things in your life. You gotta, you gotta use some kind of faith, and then you begin to attract it. You ever have one of those bad days where everything's going wrong? Is so if anything's gonna go wrong, it's gonna go wrong. And what happens the rest of the day? Everything goes wrong. It's because you're not operating in the law. You're in the, you're in the, wrong, ki- in the wrong corner of the law. you got to get in the right corner and say, Lord, I'm going to think of those things that are good and pure and upright. I'm going to celebrate today. I'm going to give thanks in everything. Praise God. Thank you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. And then you begin to track things, and God begins to turn what was meant for evil into good in your life. Hallelujah. Today is a day that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not just a baby. God in the flesh. Hosanna. Amen. Amen. King of kings, Lord of lords, the one that set us free from everything in our life that we don't want and that sickness, disease, and poverty, and lack, and bad families, and disruption and all that, Jesus came to set you free. And he wasn't just born. He succeeded at what God had called him to do in your life. And today, every one of us, we're in this thing where everything keeps coming back on us. Everything keeps coming back on us. And this person says this and that. We don't realize we have to live above that. We have to live in faith. We can't allow the world system or the news media to affect how we think. We need to live according to the word. This world's only hope is Jesus Christ. It isn't psychology. It isn't man's philosophy. It's Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can save our culture is Jesus Christ because he gets to the root of the problem You can take the woke movement and throw it out. It'll be in hell with the devil. God is not involved with the woke movement. God's involved with truth. 
God's involved with what his word says. If the creator doesn't know the difference between right and wrong, what makes you think we know the difference between right and wrong? God knows what is right, and God knows what is wrong, and those that call evil good, and come on, and good evil are woe unto them. God tells us what the truth is, and the truth will set us free. Jesus Christ doesn't hold back. He speaks the truth. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.